the Bible, the most unique book in all of human history. It claims to be divine in origin, and it delivers a message that, if true, affects every human being on the planet Earth, in this life, and in whatever awaits us when this life is over. The Bible is unique in its survival. Over the past 2,000 years, no other book has been subjected to the intense scrutiny that the Bible has endured. Generations of linguists, historians, and archaeologists have explored the details of the Bible's production and tested the accuracy of its transmission to us today. Critics and foes have come and gone. Problems have been raised and solved, and still the Bible stands, totally alone in the degree of its historical accuracy and reliability. The Bible is also unique in foretelling future events. The Old Testament alone contains over 2,000 specific predictions about people, cities, nations, and empires. Predictions made hundreds of years before being perfectly fulfilled in history. The Bible is unique in its influence. It's been called the fountainhead of Western civilization and is by far the most quoted text in America's founding documents. Millions of men, women, and children from every station and walk of life have felt the liberating, redeeming power of this book of books, and their changed lives have changed the world and the course of history. The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar is your opportunity to hear this unique book, the entire Bible, every year. Now, here's the host of The Bible Live, Soapy Dollar. Merry Christmas to you. It's time I said that, right? <laughs> it's about time we get around to talking a little bit about Christmas. We'll be making our transition in just a few days as we move from the Hebrew Scriptures. We'll finish the book of Leviticus this week, and then we'll be making the transition to the book of Matthew in the New Testament. Since we started this year through the Bible, we spent all of this time so far in the Old Testament, Genesis, Exodus, and Leviticus. And now we'll be moving to the New Testament, picking up there just in time for our celebration and remembrance of the birth of Jesus of Nazareth, the Messiah of Israel, the central personality of the Bible and the central personality of all human history. Tonight, we're going to continue our way through the book of Leviticus, picking up there in chapter 19. We have the people of Israel still in the shadow of Mount Sinai. They spent two months getting there as they came out of Egypt. Now they will be there receiving guidance, instructions. So much of their national life is formed here. The Ten Commandments, many of their festival days, rituals, symbols. Their whole life revolves around their calling to be God's people. He's going to use them here on the earth as a witness for himself for centuries to come. And so time is being taken to do nation building right here at the base of Mount Sinai. I'll tell you where we are in chapter 19 when we come to that moment in our reading this evening from the book of Leviticus. But right now, let's finish Psalm 25, one of my favorite of Psalms, a prayer for defense, for guidance, and for forgiveness. He grants us these things. Psalm 25, verses 12 through 22. Who are those who fear the Lord? He will show them the path they should choose. They will live in prosperity, and their children will inherit the promised land. Friendship with the Lord is reserved for those who fear Him. With them He shares the secrets of His covenant. My eyes are always looking to the Lord for help, for He alone can rescue me from the traps of my enemies. Turn to me and have mercy on me, for I am alone and deep in distress. 
My problems go from bad to worse. Oh, save me from them all. Feel my pain and see my trouble. Forgive all my sins. See how many enemies I have and how viciously they hate me. Protect me. Rescue my life from them. Do not let me be disgraced, for I trust in you. May integrity and honesty protect me, for I put my hope in you. O oh God, ransom Israel from all its troubles. End of reading, Psalm 25, verses 12 through 22. This is the Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. We will The great I am. That is how God identified himself to Moses uh, in the desert there at the burning bush. Who should I say sent me, says Moses, and God says, I am the self-existent one who was, who is, who will be forevermore. Jesus himself in the Gospel of John seven times identifies himself, or perhaps eight, some count eight times, using that phrase to refer to himself, I am before Abraham was, he said, I am. The Jewish leaders picked up stones to stone him for that blasphemy, for referring to himself as God. Now, some people say that Jesus never claimed to be God. That is just simply not true. He repeatedly claimed to be the Messiah and that the Messiah was God. He made that point as well. He used both direct claims, indirect claims. That is, he claimed to have powers, rights, and initiatives only God could have to forgive sin, for example. And then, of course, his dramatized claims, the miracles that he performed, demonstrating his power over the natural realm, calming the sea and the storm and the waves was one example that comes to mind. So Jesus clearly did claim to be God. Now, by the way, let me say this quickly, if I can, before we get into our reading tonight from the book of Leviticus about Psalm 25. That psalm, by the way, is a Hebrew acrostic poem. You can't tell that, of course, in English. But each verse of that poem begins with a successive letter of the Hebrew alphabet. There are 72 psalms, almost half of the book, in fact, speak about enemies. David actually had people who were his enemies in the political world, those who opposed not only us, but also God's way of living. But today we can view temptations as our enemies, money, success, prestige, lust. Our greatest enemy, of course, is Satan himself and those demons who tempt us and try to rob and steal our joy and our victory. David, of course, asked God to give him victory, and we can do that as well. Just apply those passages to those spiritual enemies that we have as well. Now, in Leviticus 19, Moses continues to give examples of the Ten Commandments. He goes through some very specific commands that give practical guidance as to what the Ten Commandments mean. On the Bible, Leviticus 19:9 through 22:33, Leviticus 19. When you harvest your crops, do not harvest the grain along the edges of your fields, and do not pick up what the harvesters drop. It is the same with your grape crop. Do not strip every last bunch of grapes from the vines, and do not pick up the grapes that fall to the ground. Leave them for the poor and the foreigners who live among you, for I, the Lord, am your God. Do not steal. Do not cheat one another. Do not lie. 
Do not use my name to swear a falsehood and so profane the name of your God. I am the Lord. Do not cheat or rob anyone. Always pay your hired workers promptly. Show your fear of God by treating the deaf with respect and by not taking advantage of the blind. I am the Lord. Always judge your neighbors fairly, neither favoring the poor nor showing deference to the rich. Do not spread slanderous gossip among your people. Do not try to get ahead at the cost of your neighbor's life, for I am the Lord. Do not nurse hatred in your heart for any of your relatives. Confront your neighbors directly so you will not be held guilty for their crimes. Never seek revenge or bear a grudge against anyone, but love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. You must obey all my laws. Do not breed your cattle with other kinds of animals. Do not plant your field with two kinds of seed. Do not wear clothing woven from two different kinds of fabric. If a man has sexual intercourse with a slave girl who is committed to become someone else's wife, compensation must be paid. But since she had not been freed at the time, the couple will not be put to death. The man, however, must bring a ram as a guilt offering and present it to the Lord at the entrance of the tabernacle. The priest will then make atonement for him before the Lord with the sacrificial ram of the guilt offering, and the man will be forgiven. When you enter the land and plant fruit trees, leave the fruit unharvested for the first three years and consider it forbidden. In the fourth year, the entire crop will be devoted to the Lord as an outburst of praise. Finally, in the fifth year, you may eat the fruit. In this way, its yield will be increased. I, the Lord, am your God. Never eat meat that has not been drained of its blood. Do not practice fortune-telling or witchcraft. Do not trim off the hair on your temples or clip the edges of your beards. Never cut your bodies in mourning for the dead, or mark your skin with tattoos, for I am the Lord. Do not defile your daughter by making her a prostitute, or the land will be filled with promiscuity and detestable wickedness. Keep my Sabbath days of rest, and show reverence toward my sanctuary, for I am the Lord. Do not rely on mediums and psychics, for you will be defiled by them. I, the Lord, am your God. Show your fear of God by standing up in the presence of elderly people and showing respect for the aged. I am the Lord. Do not exploit the foreigners who live in your land. They should be treated like everyone else, and you must love them as you love yourself. Remember that you were once foreigners in the land of Egypt. I, the Lord, am your God. Do not use dishonest standards when measuring length, weight, or volume. Your scales and weights must be accurate. Your containers for measuring dry goods or liquids must be accurate. I, the Lord, am your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt. You must be careful to obey all my laws and regulations, for I am the Lord. You're listening to The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. Leviticus 20. The Lord said to Moses, Give the Israelites these instructions, which apply to those who are Israelites by birth, as well as to the foreigners living among you. If any among them devote their children as burnt offerings to Moloch, they must be stoned to death by people of the community. I myself will turn against them and cut them off from the community because they have defiled my sanctuary and profaned my holy name by giving their children to Moloch. And if the people of the community ignore this offering of children to Moloch and refuse to execute the guilty parents, then I myself will turn against them and cut them off from the community, along with all those who commit prostitution by worshiping Moloch. If any among the people are unfaithful by consulting and following mediums or psychics, I will turn against them and cut them off from the community. So set yourselves apart to be holy, for I, the Lord, am your God. Keep all my laws and obey them, for I am the Lord who makes you holy. All who curse their father or mother must be put to death. They are guilty of a capital offense. 
If a man commits adultery with another man's wife, both the man and the woman must be put to death. If a man has intercourse with his father's wife, both the man and the woman must die, for they are guilty of a capital offense. If a man has intercourse with his daughter-in-law, both must be put to death. They have acted contrary to nature and are guilty of a capital offense. The penalty for homosexual acts is death to both parties. They have committed a detestable act and are guilty of a capital offense. If a man has intercourse with both a woman and her mother, such an act is terribly wicked. All three of them must be burned to death to wipe out such wickedness from among you. If a man has sexual intercourse with an animal, he must be put to death, and the animal must be killed. If a woman approaches a male animal to have intercourse with it, she and the animal must both be put to death. Both must die, for they are guilty of a capital offense. If a man has sexual intercourse with his sister, the daughter of either his father or his mother, it is a terrible disgrace. Both of them must be publicly cut off from the community. Since the man has had intercourse with his sister, he will suffer the consequences of his guilt. If a man has intercourse with a woman suffering from a hemorrhage, both of them must be cut off from the community, because he exposed the source of her flow, and she allowed him to do it. If a man has sexual intercourse with his aunt, whether his mother's sister or his father's sister, he has violated a close relative. Both parties are guilty of a capital offense. If a man has intercourse with his uncle's wife, he has violated his uncle. Both the man and woman involved are guilty of a capital offense and will die childless. If a man marries his brother's wife, it is an act of impurity. He has violated his brother, and the guilty couple will remain childless. You must carefully obey all my laws and regulations. Otherwise, the land to which I am bringing you will vomit you out. Do not live by the customs of the people whom I will expel before you. It is because they do these terrible things that I detest them so much. But I have promised that you will inherit their land, a land flowing with milk and honey. I, the Lord, am your God, who has set you apart from all other people. You must therefore make a distinction between ceremonially clean and unclean animals, and between clean and unclean birds. You must not defile yourselves by eating any animal or bird or creeping creature that I have forbidden. You must be holy, because I, the Lord, am holy. I have set you apart from all other people to be my very own. Men and women among you who act as mediums or psychics must be put to death by stoning. They are guilty of a capital offense. You're listening to The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. Leviticus 21. The Lord said to Moses, Tell the priests to avoid making themselves ceremonially unclean by touching a dead relative unless it is a close relative, mother or father, son or daughter, brother or virgin sister who was dependent because she had no husband. As a husband among his relatives, he must not defile himself. The priest must never shave their heads, trim the edges of their beards, or cut their bodies. They must be set apart to God as holy and must never dishonor his name. After all, they are the ones who present the offerings to the Lord by fire, providing God with his food, and they must remain holy. The priest must not marry women defiled by prostitution or women who have been divorced, for the priest must be set apart to God as holy. You must treat them as holy because they offer up food to your God. You must consider them holy because I, the Lord, am holy, and I make you holy. If a priest's daughter becomes a prostitute, defiling her father's holiness as well as herself, she must be burned to death. The high priest, who has had the anointing oil poured on his head and has been ordained to wear the special priestly garments, 
must never let his hair hang loose or tear his clothing. He must never defile himself by going near a dead person, even if it is his father or mother. He must not desecrate the sanctuary of his God by leaving it to attend his parents' funeral, because he has been made holy by the anointing oil of his God. I am the Lord. The high priest must marry a virgin. He must not marry a widow, a divorced woman, or a woman defiled by prostitution. She must be a virgin from his own clan, that he may not dishonor his descendants among the members of his clan, because I, the Lord, have made him holy. Then the Lord said to Moses, Tell Aaron that in all future generations his descendants who have physical defects will not qualify to offer food to their God. No one who has a defect may come near to me, whether he is blind or lame, stunted or deformed, or has a broken foot or hand, or has a humped back, or is a dwarf, or has a defective eye, or has oozing sores or scabs on his skin, or has damaged testicles. Even though he is a descendant of Aaron, his physical defects disqualify him from presenting offerings to the Lord by fire. Since he has a blemish, he may not offer food to his God. However, he may eat from the food offered to God, including the holy offerings and the most holy offerings. Yet because of his physical defect, he must never go behind the inner curtain or come near the altar, for this would desecrate my holy places. I am the Lord who makes them holy." So Moses gave these instructions to Aaron and his sons and to all the Israelites. You're listening to The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. Leviticus 22. The Lord said to Moses, Tell Aaron and his sons to treat the sacred gifts that the Israelites set apart for me with great care, so they do not profane my holy name. I am the Lord. Remind them that if any of their descendants are ceremonially unclean when they approach the sacred food presented by the Israelites, they must be cut off from my presence. I am the Lord. If any of the priests have a contagious skin disease or any kind of discharge that makes them ceremonially unclean, they may not eat the sacred offerings until they have been pronounced clean. If any of the priests become unclean by touching a corpse or are defiled by an emission of semen or by touching a creeping creature that is unclean, or by touching someone who is ceremonially unclean for any reason, they will remain defiled until evening. They must not eat any of the sacred offerings until they have purified their bodies with water. When the sun goes down, they will be clean again, and may eat the sacred offerings. After all, this food has been set aside for them. The priest may never eat an animal that has died a natural death, or has been torn apart by wild animals, for this would defile them. I am the Lord. Warn all the priests to follow these instructions carefully, otherwise they will be subject to punishment and die for violating them. I am the Lord who makes them holy. No one outside a priest's family may ever eat the sacred offerings, even if the person lives in a priest's home or is one of his hired servants. However, if the priest buys slaves with his own money, they may eat of his food. And if his slaves have children, they also may share his food. If a priest's daughter marries someone outside the priestly family, she may no longer eat the sacred offerings. But if she becomes a widow or is divorced and has no children to support her, and she returns to live in her father's home, she may eat her father's food again. But other than these exceptions, only members of the priest's families are allowed to eat the sacred offerings. Anyone who eats the sacred offerings without realizing it must pay the priest for the amount eaten, plus an added penalty of 20%. No one may defile the sacred offerings brought to the Lord by the Israelites by allowing unauthorized people to eat them. 
the negligent priest would bring guilt upon the people and require them to pay compensation. I am the Lord who makes them holy. And the Lord said to Moses, Give Aaron and his sons and all the Israelites these instructions, which apply to those who are Israelites by birth, as well as to the foreigners living among you. If you offer a whole burnt offering to the Lord, whether to fulfill a vow or as a freewill offering, it will be accepted only if it is a male animal with no physical defects. It may be either a bull, a ram, or a male goat. Do not bring an animal with physical defects, because it won't be accepted on your behalf. If you bring a peace offering to the Lord from the herd or flock, whether to fulfill a vow or as a free will offering, you must offer an animal that has no physical defects of any kind. An animal that is blind, injured, mutilated, or that has a growth, an open sore or a scab, must never be offered to the Lord by fire on the altar. If the bull or lamb is deformed or stunted, it may still be offered as a free will offering, but it may not be offered to fulfill a vow. If an animal has damaged testicles or is castrated, it may never be offered to the Lord. You must never accept mutilated or defective animals from foreigners to be offered as a sacrifice to your God. Such animals will not be accepted on your behalf because they are defective. And the Lord said to Moses, When a bull or a ram or a male goat is born, it must be left with its mother for seven days. From the eighth day on it will be acceptable as an offering given to the Lord by fire. But you must never slaughter a mother animal and her offspring on the same day, whether from the herd or the flock. When you bring a thanksgiving offering to the Lord, it must be sacrificed properly, so it will be accepted on your behalf. Eat the entire sacrificial animal on the day it is presented. Don't leave any of it until the second day. I am the Lord. You must faithfully keep all my commands by obeying them, for I am the Lord. Do not treat my holy name as common and ordinary. I must be treated as holy by the people of Israel. It is I, the Lord, who makes you holy. It was I who rescued you from Egypt, that I might be your very own God. I am the Lord. End of reading Leviticus 19, 9 through 22, 33. Over the mountains and the sea, your river runs with love for me. So I will open up my heart and let the healer set you're listening to The Bible Live with Sophie Dollar. So I will daily lift my hands And I will always sing of when your love came down I can sing of your love forever Making God the priority of our life, the most important person in our lives, beyond our husband or our wife, beyond our children, beyond our job, our boss, anyone else in this world, we must put God first. In the beginning, when you consider that, it sounds threatening. Any wife would think, oh, no, I don't want my husband to put someone in front of me. But let me tell you, you will be a better husband for having put God first. You will be a better wife. You'll be a better parent. You'll be a better citizen, a more patriotic American for putting God first above everything else. That is just the nature of things. God deserves to be first. He is worthy of that kind of devotion, and he demands it. Why does God demand certain behaviors from his people? He enjoins us to show respect for the elderly, to be giving and loving toward others, taking care of our family members and friends and people we meet in life who need help. Just as we read in that first chapter tonight about don't harvest all of your crops. Leave the grain that grows there along the edges for people who don't have food. An ancient practice called gleaning. 
don't strip every last bunch of grapes from the vines leaving them for the poor and for the foreigners living among you in chapter 19 verse 32 he says stand up in the presence of the elderly show respect for the aged now it doesn't mean that every elderly person deserves respect but uh, we are called upon to honor their life experience and their wisdom we lose a lot in our society when we dishonor the old we are called upon to protect the innocent in chapter 20 the idea of sacrificing children is absolutely forbidden by god i myself god says will turn against them and cut them off from the community because they have defiled my sanctuary and brought shame on my holy name by offering their children as sacrifices so this whole idea of abortion god will hold this nation accountable and we will be held more accountable than countries like japan or russia or china because of the fact that we have heard the gospel we have received the blessings and benefit of the gospel of the messiah as no other nation in all of human history america was birthed in the white hot heat of evangelistic fervor and spiritual revival god has three times sent great revivals across this land we will be held hugely accountable for this terrible terrible sin of abortion in our time especially if we refuse soon to turn away from it i would call there on a new generation of americans a young generation we must turn away from the practice of abortion god makes it very very clear much of the judgment we are already experiencing as american people is because of our wickedness and our turning away from the God of our forefathers, the God that helped this nation become the greatest, the most wealthy, most influential nation in all of human history, and we have turned from him. Oh, there's so many things that are mentioned here. The wickedness of, it's called spiritual prostitution. Those who would go to mediums, to witches and sorcerers, reading horoscopes, God forbids that to us. Remember, every one of these laws, every one of these commands are meant for our protection, for our provision, and for our guidance, to guide us into the best possible life, to be the best possible society that we could be, and we will receive blessings as we obey them. Very interesting tonight, this portion from Leviticus, and I think very understandable for us, even in our time so many, many centuries later. The rules for priests are the same for pastors and evangelists and folks in ministry these days. is a special calling to live a holy life, to live lives of integrity, particularly financial integrity. We receive offerings from God's people that support us and support the work that we're doing in our churches and our different ministries. And we must show deep respect for those offerings because they're given as unto the Lord. We should receive them as from the Lord recognize their value and we should invest those funds honestly use them wisely in the ministry with great great integrity see you next time bible live with soapy dollar is a ministry of campus crusade for christ soapy reads from the new living translation by tyndale house publishers the bible live is dedicated to helping promote spiritual revival across america and your financial support is needed Please mail your tax-deductible gift to The Bible Live, Post Office Box 18888. That's The Bible Live, P.O. Box 18888, San Antonio, Texas, 78218. You may also make credit card donations at the ministry website, thebiblelive.com.
Now don't forget, join us each weekday for The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. Start today and in one year's time, we will read and respond together to the entire Bible. Let the most important word you hear each day be God's word. 